0: Just like summer, the tent sale at the new Lloyd Mr.
1: Nissan has been extended. If it's parked under the big tent at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan, it's priced at or below cost. Trucks, gas-saving cars, great family SUVs. Plus, spin the big wheel with your purchase to win big prizes like TVs, trips, gas cards, and more. The leaves aren't coming down yet, so neither is the tent. The tent sale has been extended at the new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. The new Lloyd Mr. Nissan. We won't sell you a car. We'll help you buy one it's harvest time and once again time to thank our hard-working dedicated midwest farmers their families and their crews our midwest farmers are the best in the world and we want to deliver a fantastic meal to them right in the field to show our appreciation for the long hours for supporting our communities for feeding the world and for all they do Nominate your family, nominate your neighbors, nominate a hard-working crew by posting a great harvest photo on any of our sponsor Facebook pages. We'll treat four great farms to a delicious roast beef dinner with all the fixings, and just for nominating a farmer, you could win a half side of beef to fill your freezer this winter. And this year, we're proud to deliver Meals in the Field in memory of Gary Melka. Meals in the Fields in memory of Gary Melka is very proudly brought to you by Sobeys Lloydminster. Diamond 7 Meats, Gary Melka, Michael Agro, the Tent Guys, the Synovus Lloydminster Ethanol Plant, and the new Lloydminster Nissan.
2: Hi, Dale here from Superior Water. Do you know what's coming out of your water taps? At Superior Water, we know what's coming out of ours. The cleanest, best tasting water at $3 a jug. Treat your body right Superior Water. Copeland, Copeland Auctions,
3: letting you know about our online sales that are happening right now. You want to get in on those sales, you go to copelandauctions.com. That's copelandauctions.com. It is easy to register. It's easy to bid. There's a lot of good articles on that sale. Horse trailers, welding equipment, garden equipment, a lot of tools, etc. So if you want to get in on those sales, go to CopelandAuction.com or call Russ at 780-870-1181. See you online.
1: This is Lloyd Minster show. This is local that matters to you, local people, local events, local news and sports. For Lloydminster and Area, this is live with Kurt Price from the new Lloydminster Nissan. Hey, welcome to Patchwork. We are out at the Lloydminster Exhibition for the Lloydminster Heavy Oil Show 2022. Kicked off last night with a fantastic banquet featuring this gentleman sitting right beside us here, David Jaeger who was incredible last night. We're going to talk to David in just a moment. We got Tracy Kay. here. Hello everybody. Titus Tools all set up here over at the hey, uh, over here at the Lloyd Mister Exhibition and just before we get into things, we want to remind you that we're heading out for another meal in the field tomorrow delivering a meal to Devin Walker tomorrow out by Lashburn so we look forward to that. We're going to go see Devin, deliver a fantastic meal courtesy of our sponsors. And speaking of harvest season, it's time to check in with our flying farmer. Here's Garth George with Thoughts from the Tractor Seat, brought to you by Agra energy
4: Thoughts from the Tractor Seat with the
2: flying farmer, Garth George, is brought to you by Agra energy Agra energy striving every day to help and improve landowners with their oil and gas surface lease management. Call
4: 1-855-871-0306 or find them on Facebook.
5: Hello folks, welcome to another edition of Thoughts from the Tractor Seat. your host here, Garth again, Flying Farmer. It's a hot day today. Hope everyone's having a great day today. I know I am, just been giving her on the wheat. The wheat looks good. So today's thought from the Tractor Seat is the farm ladies. First of all, I'd like to thank all you farm ladies for what you do. Every lift, different lady on the farm has a different position. Uh, the girls on our farm run combine, cook suppers, run grain cart, run baler. Pretty much take all of my phone calls when, uh, when I'm tied up and stuff. But on the topic of phone calls for a second, this is a thought for the ladies as well. There must be a hormone that emits and floats through the sky to wherever your wife is or wherever she's at, that the moment you're in something like this kind of position, like locked in a piece of equipment, working mechanically, you know, you've got some sort of torch going, you know, you've got one foot holding something up while you're trying to fix it, or you got the big wrench out and you've just smashed your fingers. They have the ability to call you right at that exact moment, which is which is crazy to me. And then they phone you, and usually it's not even a important phone call. Gove love you girls to death. It's usually like, hey, how's your day? What are you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm good. Just having a little problem, honey. Can I can I call you back? And please don't take offense. We're not ignoring you, but for some reason, you gals have the ability. To legit call us at the worst times but back to the start of my little rant here for you ladies we thank you there's no way in hell any of these farms would out, would run without you gals thank you for the suppers the meals the cleaning of my chaff out of my shorts the grease stains in my pants you know all sort of pants problems apparently is what i have going on here and uh, cooking the meals and definitely you know working for us combining You know the parts runs randomly when we phone you in a big hurry you're like hey I'm gonna totally ruin your afternoon but can you go to you know get us parts thank you thank you from all us farming boys out here farming ladies we love you we couldn't do without you and thank you so much and hope you all have a great day and if you get a minute remember slap Justin Trudeau for me thanks take care
1: Welcome back inside the Lloydminster Heavy Oil Show, where the new Lloydminster Nissan is all set up. And we'd love to see you here. And uh, this is going to be a very popular place over the next uh, couple of days. Uh, David Yeager, as I mentioned, knocked it out of the park last night. uh, Got a standing ovation uh, from the banquet crowd here at the Lloydminster Exhibition last night when he did a fireside chat with Mayor Gerald Albers and the CEO of Strathcona Resources, uh, Rob Morgan. And uh, David, congratulations on the standing ovation. You mentioned you drive six hours for a standing yeah. ovation anytime <laughs> wow. but you really I, did a great I, job last uh, night. Uh, by wow. the
2: way dave has a volvo and he said he would return in his volvo again for a standing ovation
6: what I know, I said I'd drive six hours. I, I don't know how I got talking to a, about vehicles with a with a Nissan salesman. I blew that. I usually had my foot surgically. You got Nissan. Remo- you got Nissan on the left, Ford on the right, uh, man. I've had my foot surgically removed from my mouth often enough over the years. This is anyway. Tracy's last time on the podcast. Anyway, anyway, no, no I've uh, just uh, in terms of the show. I love Nissan. I was actually at the first show in 1982. And back then, uh, I was the editor of the Roughneck magazine. It was sponsored by the company or helped organize by the company I used to work for, Homeco, which is now part of Weatherford. So I uh, had written the history of the place and thought, well, what a, what a great time to come back, the 20th show and 40 years later. So yeah. I've been driving up and down that highway uh, quite a number of times over the years. Great to be back.
1: You've seen the ups and downs in, uh, in oil, and uh, you mentioned to me, uh, or you mentioned to the crowd last night, sorry, that uh, you feel that we're in a period of uh, stability here, that we're, we're into a stretch here where we should see a good run.
6: Yeah, there's a long cycle in oil. Like, it's, uh, the predictions is, uh, is very, pretty scary to make predictions. The one thing I can say about most oil forecasts is the one thing they have in common is they're wrong. It's just a, just a question of which direction and how much. But there is a long cycle uh, that we've seen in uh, my lifetime. And there was a long up cycle uh, started in 1973 with OPEC. But OPEC was only successful with the embargo because there was a shortage anyway. And that cycle was 12 years, you know, until mm-hmm. 1985. And right. then, of course, it was drilling in the North Sea yep. that collapsed the price. And then after it tanked in, in 1985, the down cycle was actually t- uh, 17 years. It wasn't until 2002, 2003 that China started to open up. And 97
2: was, uh, was tricky, Dave.
6: 97 98 wasn't fun well 98 went to zippo again yeah but that was uh, it was got worse yeah it was yeah. bad but worse but it didn't really start climbing again yeah until about 03 yeah and that peaked uh 11 years later actually in 2014 yeah. and then again the north america uh did came to the table came to rescue canada the united states put 10 million barrels a day on the stream uh, two million from the oil sands right around here and wow. eight million from the shale oil and then bang back in the dumpster you know so the the point is is that we're probably there's going to be incredible vacillations as we see with the war in ukraine and this and that because the news is so sensitive and the the markets are so turbocharged by day traders and algorithms but overall we're in a long cycle
0: yeah and the idea you know
6: what i mean i think and i'm multi-year multi-year up cycle because the uh the renewables have been horribly oversold after trillions of dollars and 20 years of renewables. They're still only 3% of the energy supply. Fossil fuels are still 87% of primary energy, something like 95% of transportation fuel. So we're on another upswing, and it's yep. going to last a number of years. Yeah, we are. There'll be lots of speed bumps on the road, right? I mean, Well, be... give, me, give me one of my predictions. That is is that uh,
2: we? Um, I tell everybody this, no matter what the cycles are, 44 years I've been doing this now. Snow melts in the spring, and oil prices always rise. Yep. They do. It's just a fact of life. We just hang in there. It's going to happen. There's going to be changes. Uh, There's going to be cycles, but oil prices always rise. Does the fact that we just
1: came through one of the longest cycles play into this is going to be one of the longest
6: cycles this is the, the only cycle on the where they where they persecuted the fuel that's for sure. I mean it's one thing to have a natural supply demand cycle which we've had before but yeah. this cycle this down cycle was also characterized by the west determination yeah, in the absolutely. western world to destroy to not drill for oil. Like, it's one thing to to not drill for oil because it's not economic, which is the natural cycle. It's another to not drill for oil because the capital markets won't give you any money uh, because that's the morally superior but thing to do. But look at the do.
2: compound on that, Dave. Like, you're looking at, uh, let's just say it, the greenies, the, the emissions people, the ozone layer people, oh, yeah. the renewable people, COVID. You got this stack. In 44 years, this is the longest down cycle i've ever seen in my time of just not really coming back usually we'd cycle six or seven years and then about maybe a long term would be a year 18 months we'd be back at it again this one's hung on for a long time and now we're seeing i think we're out of the out of the forest and into the meadow now and i think it's going to stay for a while
6: would you agree well the policy is uh so suck and blow if you you know there's uh, <laughs> like you take the united states and you've got the Energy Secretary Granholm telling producers, you know, go drill. Uh, but, by the way, we're going to shut you down again in five years. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's, this is yeah. a mixed signal. Yeah. You've still got the policy momentum of, of the great persecution of the climate change phenomenon and the anti-fuel fossil fuels. So now they're looking around and saying, yeah, we'd like some oil, uh, but we don't like it that much. So what we'd like you to do, we'd certainly like you to get the price down before the U.S. midterms in November. And then after yeah. that, we'll get on with what really yeah. matters. Yeah. So the, the price thing is if you're in the boardroom today and you're looking at the long-term planning, which you historically done, you can forgive the boards for being righteously confused. The signals from the capital markets and the banks are ESG. Uh, you know, again, there's this still momentum. And it's, it's really early, actually. If you look at the length of the cycles, um, the, the nuttiness really only started 13 months ago, you know, when the, when the wind quit blowing in, uh, in the mm-hmm. U.K., and they started to realize the problems with renewables, and then of course they. Uh, the I Russi-
2: thought it got back when Biden administration came in.
6: Got even, well, it was much yeah. longer than that. I mean, yeah. he was sworn in a year and a half ago, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, then the price started to go up. The price of gas started to go up, and then the price of oil had been rising the whole time since they opened up the lockdowns, because they've been warning about the supply issue for a long time. The the black swan was the obviously the Russian invasion of Ukraine, where yeah. nobody had that in their 2022 budget. But yeah, uh, but, the uh, but the whole point is it's still early in the game. I think the rate people think, well, this is what they should do. I think the rate at which things are reversing is really pretty good. You know, I, they threw out Boris Yeltsin and put in uh, a pro development prime minister. Well that just that didn't take long. <laughs> when, took about, it
2: took about ninety days where you know? the, the renewables are starting to, fi- to 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 come back, uh, as far as come back meaning they're stepping back. The sustainability of everything we've talked about on our shows for, for many shows yeah. now, including yourself, are starting to wear thin. So is so is uh, I challenge everybody on the show and, and you could say this is an echo. I challenge anybody to replace what we're doing right now with something better at a better cost that's sustainable. Well, well there are no, a, yeah. That's a powerful yeah. challenge out there that, you know, I'm not the only person in the world to be able to say that, but but bring it on. Tell, tell us tell us your thoughts on that. Like There where are, is, uh, where?
6: it's really interesting to watch the, the, the official narrative. And the one narrative is that wind and solar can solve everything. But it has been proven in Texas and Europe and in an increasing yeah. number of jurisdictions. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> that, okay, you're right. It doesn't work so good when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. The next thing that's happened, and I don't know whether they ran out of energy or whether the oil industry has done its homework, but the vilification of the oil sands and heavy oil at all costs has toned down. That's kind of quieted down. You know, it's. Uh, I think actually people are looking around saying, you know, gee four million barrels a day coming out of middle of north america not a bad deal yeah and so now the next the next thing they're saying okay that's it then we're going to take hydrocarbon derivatives and what's interesting about hydrogen and ammonia and uh on these things in fact it's it's more of the same it's just a lower carbon version so Absolutely. if you look at the whole thing they've gone from vilifying uh fossil fuels now we're modifying fossil fuels, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that, isn't that something? Does that, hydrogen sound cleaner, Dave? Is that why? <laughs> oh, see, it's, absolutely, because <laughs> it useless. sounds cleaner. It yeah. sounds
2: safer. It has, because but it's, it's still coming from. Good well, old well, they're food. they're
6: actually got this fantasy of uh, enough windmills and, and solar uh, panels to use the electricity to to make hydrogen out of seawater. Yeah, and yeah. Then mix it with take, mix it with nitrogen, turn it into ammonia. Uh, but in the end of the day, if you look at the energy input uh, to fill that, that boat full it's of ammonia, economical. and you get the energy output once you separate the hydrogen from the ammonia at the end use, it works uh, best in the minds of the of of the of the climate alarmists than it does in practice. <laughs> hey, it'll come. Hey, it'll come in time. Yeah. Like I mean, it's like yeah. everything else in yeah. technology. We're throwing a lot of money at it. And there's a good prize at the end. Well, and at least we're working with something that everybody. DVD understand. players
2: came out. What, were they like three thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah. And now you can get a DVD player for like twenty nine ninety five at the brick on sale. Mm-hmm. Watch so you can TV? still buy
6: VHSs,
1: too. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. You know, mostly, it, you're
2: right. You throw enough money at something, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. hopefully, th- the cost will start to come down yeah. on yeah. it. But
6: And so this is uh, this is modified decarbonation decarbonization if you will as well it will and then and they call it blue hydrogen uh, but i know agrium or the are, uh... uh... the big uh, Well, we use not Agrium; based nutrient now but they've got a uh, they've got a big project going on in louisiana where they want to make uh... blue uh... low carbon ammonia right So they want to take natural gas which blue hydrogen and then they want to turn it into ammonia but they want to tie that in with carbon sequestration with the co2 they got lots of storage caverns. Well, okay, yeah. let's have a look at that. I agree because
2: where's it going to go? They yeah. want to they want to nutritionalize the ground. Yeah, and yeah. eventually that's where they want to get to. Yeah. So, wow, just think of that for a second. They want to nutritionalize the ground from something that was a source of fossil fuel. Wow,
6: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> sort of like bio, It's sort of like biofuels. I call oh, I boy. call burning wood pellets un- <laughs> unfossilized fossil fuels. But isn't that kind it's of the same b- sort of stuff? Isn't
2: that kind of full of BS? Pardon the oh, pun. It is, Pardon uh, the again, pun. Again, Full of BS. Uh, I,
6: uh, There is. Uh, right. There is. Um, yeah, they're stretching the. They do stretch. Well, the it's all
2: about the uh, the cow manure and all of those kind of things, and trying to mix that up and think we can end up running that in machines. Well, That's well, let me way, let me just say this. Like,
1: <laughs> author, um, oil analyst, consultant. David Yeager is our guest, and David, when I listened to you speak last night, there was a show on TV years and years ago, one of my favorite shows, it was Newhart. Oh, yeah. And at the end of the uh, final episode, he wakes up and realizes it was all a dream, and there wasn't this <laughs> this town that he lived in where everyone was crazy except him. Oh, yeah. That's the way I look at you, David, when you're dealing with some of these uh, government officials. You must look at just, like, am I, is this Canada? like how can we be hurting ourselves so bad with these policies when are we actually going to wake up to it you mentioned that the oil sands are getting a little bit uh, more respect now but we still have bill c69 we have all these bills that are that are out there are we ever going to wake up to it And and we we, We had someone come over here from Germany and ask us for LNG, we turned them away.
6: Yeah, send them back with ammonia. uh, The problem is modern (laughs) politics, really, and that is a derivative of social media, is you can win an election now by going and finding uh, single-issue voters. And so the Liberals have used the climate issue very carefully uh, to craft a coalition of voters in the major urban centres, particularly Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver. And the trouble is, with increasing urbanization of the Western world, it's really phenomenal. It used to be 50-50, 100 years ago, and now it's like 80-20. 80% of the people live in urban centers. Mm-hmm. And they don't know where anything comes from. There's no they don't, connection. They have no connection not like, back. This, not like this community here where we're producing fuel and, 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 and food every day. All
2: paths lead back to fossil fuels. I say well, that a they, thousand
6: they, times a week. They do, but the point is is they get their information from smartphones in and the government. So, so the trouble is with modern <laughs> politics is that it has... Just a minute, every, let me check that. It has, yeah, you keep <laughs> Kardashian or NBA. <laughs> yeah. it, has, it has everything to do with winning elections and less and less to do with good policy. Because yeah. good mm-hmm. policy is what puts me in government. Yeah. So this is the big problem we have, and the phenomenon that we have in Canada, where the big urban centers that produce nothing tell the people that do produce things what to do, the phenomenon is very much the same in the United States. If you look where the votes are in California and the Northeast, you know where there's high concentrations of people that aren't connected to where stuff comes from, uh, they you know they go to the climate thing and they go, that's terrible. I'll vote for that. That's terrible. We ought not. We ought to quit polluting. Uh, the luck the only difference between Canada and the United States is they have the equal Senate. With two senators per state, and and whereas we have a completely rigged Senate uh, that reflects the population, yeah. so yeah. Uh, so the problem is 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 what we what what rational people like you do, is is good policy, is is confuse good policy with good politics, and good politics is not necessarily good policy. Right. I think there's a game change underway right now with the situation in Europe. And, and, the price yeah. at, and the price of food at the store, yeah. and the price of gas at the pumps. I think people are saying, "Oh, wait a second here. Yeah. Uh, where does this stuff come from? Yeah. You know, and why looking...
2: is my stuff starting to go up? Why? Yeah, I why think... is my yeah, cost yeah. of uh, a blow for bread and a quarter of milk going yeah, yeah. up? Huh.
6: Yeah, You told me I didn't need fossil fuels, and wait a second here. They're dying in Europe. They're firing up coal. So I do think that events have changed, and what's going to get change people's focus is the cost, is the wallet. Yeah. And then they're going to look and they're going to discover, well, wait a second here. I've uh, I've been using a bit of manure here in, yeah. the, in the last few years about yeah. how the world works. So it's a, it's regrettable that we have to go through such a horrible downturn, a series of events, an economic downturn, to get people's attention. Yeah. But if that's the only way we can knock, bring back common sense, well, so be it. Are you saying that, that, that that's going to be Justin Trudeau's kryptonite? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh no! Absolutely, it's yeah. He, he is uh, yeah. He people are, they're gonna look around, and, and and this happens to any any politician who's in government. When, I mean, in the uh, if you look at the Mulroney win in 1984. This just came through the period of high inflation and high interest rates, and you know, hopefully, if you're not old enough to remember 20% mortgages, good for you. Yeah, I do <laughs> yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah, you didn't miss a thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I remember. Or, uh, inflation rates of yeah. you know wage and price control. 20%. And they looked around rates, yeah. when uh, when Brian Mulroney came along and, and just said that's it, and absolutely annihilated the Liberal Party. Yeah. They did the same thing to the Liberal Party in Ontario yeah. after the, after their big green shift, you know, under Kathleen Wynne. And then everybody's power bill went up, and they looked around, and they got clobbered. And so I just think that, um, you know, I think that the the voters are going to wake up, and they're going to look at the incumbent, and they're going to say, well, wait a second here, why would we do more of that when that led to this? That's all. We seem
2: to repeat history in the making on some of this stuff, you know, and that's what, you know, it's just generations that maybe forget about what's going on. Um, I got one of your books miracle to menace yeah we didn't talk about that much on the last show but tell us a bit about that like I'm hearing that you're like Are you on the New York Times bestseller with that book now yet? Or (laughs) Uh, Miracle to Menace. Tell us a little bit about that because... Well, the uh, title
6: is Oil, really. Yeah, it really is from uh, when
2: when it was a miracle, and now all of a sudden it's a menace. Tell us,
1: elaborate a little bit. That's the story of my life, really. Are you going to have to rewrite it? Is it going to be from uh, Miracle uh, to Menace to Miracle?
6: Uh, Whoa! I like uh, that. No, no, I think the... uh, Not yet. The title stays the same. It does need updating. But the (laughs) title came from... The title came in 2018. I was looking around, and they were blocking pipelines... Uh, BC and I think the really fundamental part was everybody was telling us in Western Canada, well, why don't you just change energy sources? You're in the energy business. Why don't you just switch from oil to solar panels or wind? <laughs> that to be and, the know I mean, well, but, but I mean, for it, just, you. it just showed it just showed the most absolutely staggering understanding of what where everything comes from, and that's how the you know the line I used in the book, and I used it last night. Everybody liked it. Is Alberta without oil is Manitoba with mountains. I mean, there's not, there's not much going on, you know. The best, the best dirt's in Saskatchewan, the potash is in Saskatchewan, yeah. the best yeah. trees, the, the, the hard rock mining's in northern Manitoba. Hell, we don't even have good forests, you know. We got boreal forests and a bunch of poplars, you know. Yeah. We, and so, uh, so the whole the title of the book, and, but Alberta is a carbon story because I said the only reason that 4.4 million people live there and nobody lives in the neighborhood is because of incredible quantities of coal, oil and gas. And that was the fundamental thing. But what I had to do in the book was I had to understand how uh, having grown up with the Cold War, the bomb shelters when I was a kid in grade school, they showed us a movie of Hide Under the Desk when they dropped a nuclear bomb on Calgary. Yeah. And we could, by hiding under the desk, we could stave off nuclear incineration by <laughs> half a second or what, so. What, wearing you. a tinfoil? A, tin a, a, nanose- a nanosecond. A yeah, a yeah. Uniform, man. I remember as a kid going home, Mom, Dad, should we have a bomb shelter in the backyard. And then there was the Vietnam War. And then there was the. Then there was pollution, and then there was cleaning up the Great Lakes. Y2K! Lake. Yeah, and, y, yeah. yeah, just a series of crises. So how did climate change, how did this get to the top of the list of the yeah. world's problems? Wow. How could it be that we could tell people that we could change the weather if we paid more for gasoline that, that, and sent a liberal to carbon tax and chanted, wow. I care, I deeply care? That's the
2: quote of the day. If we could change the weather if we pay more for our gasoline current. yeah well
6: that's the that's the premise how can you do that when uh, when you know 1.3 billion people live in the Western countries where we're buying into this stuff 6.6 billion people live in the rest of the world where they're still trying to catch up yeah. so how do you change the global composition of the atmosphere without bringing China and India along with us. Because the growth in emissions is not coming from OECD, yeah. not coming from here, it's coming from there. So how do you do this? So in the end, I concluded that it was it was modern politics, it was the internet, fear sells, and it was uh, just, the, what, what there was a book called The Progress Paradox. And he said that what it seems the wealthier we get, the more we worry. And what he said was that wow. material needs, food, clothing, and shelter, had been replaced by spiritual needs. The world was, the Western world was so wealthy, they could focus on how do I feel? And then if you think about it, that's what we do, you know. You mentioned yeah. that
1: last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: again, yeah, I, yeah. I got, you know, food's on this corner, everything's taken care of, so I can, I can worry. Yeah. I can worry about events 100 years from now. Well, six point mm-hmm. six people, billion people are 100% focused on the rest of the day of tomorrow, waking right. up with a meal on the table. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. I wrote the book and I looked at all the data, I explored the whole thing and I ended up reading books on on, um, on on human psychology and the conclusion I came to in, in the book was this dog won't hunt I can't tell seven billion people how to live their lives the only solution is technology and I finished it uh, released it two years ago or three years ago now and I'm looking at it uh, I didn't think I was that smart really because it was actually exactly how the world unfolded that mm-hmm. physics, science and common sense. It's profound it.
2: Dave because you people are thinking it's all based on what what the world is doing in the climate and the clouds and all that it's absolutely the exact opposite it's what people are thinking is what we think is going on in the earth and they're expressing that by what they're thinking and not actually what's actually happening but people are buying into that
6: this little doggy here this is his cell phone not mine but but uh it doesn't matter The point is, is what you get now with the algorithms is you get, they study what you like to look at, and you can have a forest fire anywhere in the world, and it's on your phone in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Every bad weather event in the world, and somebody can say it's never been like this. And people believe it. Yeah. And so when Greta Thunberg comes and says the world is on fire, if you didn't read a lot and all you looked at was your smartphone, you might agree with that. Yeah. Or you might agree that this was the worst ever. I remember my brother and all he's a thoughtful guy. They had a they had a he said, Well look at the tornadoes. They had a tornado in uh, just in northern in the northern US a few years ago. Well, gosh, in 1986, they had a tornado that wiped out Southeast Edmonton. Yeah. A huge tornado. I mean, what do you mean that you can and, tell it me clipped a bunch of Lloyd Minster uh, and back then? <laughs> yeah, too? but I mean, what can you say? How can you say authoritatively this yeah. has never happened before? You know, it's all—it's just not true. But that's the trouble with the internet and today's social media is you can say whatever you want. There's no checks, there's no balances, there's no repercussions. The media outlets are not, are not responsible because everybody's a media outlet. And so there's a collective madness uh, permeating the thinking of the people in the world. And there's people that use fear and use bad news to exploit an agenda. And it's, it's real hard to go back and just peel back the onion and have a, have a look at it. And anyone who has an objective Truly objective look at this, and we're seeing that changing. People going, Well, yeah, okay, maybe fossil fuels will be around a lot longer than we think. Yeah, yeah, try forever. Try yeah. forever, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah.
2: And then it'd it it's minus 40, and that doesn't count. You know, minus
1: 40, <laughs> it doesn't count because
2: that's just the weather. I used to you post that on my Facebook at least a couple times a winter on Facebook and say, It's minus 40, thank you for fossil fuels. Here's the thing I always noticed, Dave. When there is any kind of rallies or picketing or strikes or any kind of um, presentation that's out there talking about climate change and all these things we do, I never seem to see any of those anywhere in the country at minus 40 to minus 45. (laughs) I just have never seen them. The railroad track incidents, all of the stuff around the, the different refineries and the different pump jacks and that, I never seem to see those at minus 45 yeah there's uh, there's,
6: a, there's a reason for that well again that is uh, that's turned into an industry that's the <laughs> other thing we forget is that big green is big business and a lot oh, of these absolutely. you know I, we, it comes out all the time that a lot of these protesters they're paid they're just young guys and so possibly
2: paying. wired back to some of the people that were in politics at one time uh, it, mr it, gore and his no, establishment no, yeah, yeah that, the people who right?
6: funded it's pretty astonishing what the what the oil barons like the rockefeller family are doing with uh standard oils money uh you know and all that's fine it's just that it's just that we as a as a society uh, we get the government we deserve because if we don't pay attention yeah
2: here's a good line that you've you've said it already we use these things for the greta thurnbergs and all of these things as we're on the show right now even this morning people just go and do a little bit of research you'll go and look and find out what computer you should get maybe what truck you should buy and come get a nissan plug for them if i did any
6: research i'd be driving one yeah there you go (laughs) And,
2: and and start to understand in this industry of doing a little bit of research on anything that you ever see to find out if it's actually true or not and do some research you'll be very enlightened of some of the actual stuff that's going out there, and we research. We will take hours to find an iPad, or hours to go buy a new car, or we don't just buy a house online and go. Oh, there, that's great. We go and look at it. We go and see what everything looks like. Why are we not doing that same thing? Just trust us on the show here today. Do a little bit of research. I It'll would. Just, I,
6: we got to wrap up here. I know, yep. but I, one of my favorite stories is a friend of mine's daughter had gone out to a farm and played with the chickens. <laughs> and that night they had chicken for dinner. I said, "Mommy, what's this for dinner?" "That's chicken." And she'd seen one running around. "Mommy, are there two words f- for chicken?" <laughs> and I had I had the same problem. I buy whole cows in solidarity after BSE, you know. Yeah. I buy a cow. And I have a picture on the fridge. Yeah. And I live in an acreage. I got a picture of a cow on the fridge. And people come over, and they go, boy, that was good beef, you know. And I say, "What's that?" Are your kids members of 4H? I said, "That's your dinner." <laughs> and they were mortified. Yeah. I mean, this is, but do you see what I mean? Yeah. This is how.
0: This yeah. Do your research,
6: research yeah. Tracy. Do your research. Yeah. <laughs> Just take Dave, a little bit of time. David, thank you
1: so much. Yeah, oh, Dave, would you fun. please come back and see oh, us again? Oh, you bet. Yeah. You you David bet. Yeager. He's David uh, Yeager. the author. The book is called Miracle to Menace Alberta a Carbon Story. Uh, you
6: signed a copy for Scott Moe last night. I did, yeah. yeah. I have a signed copy and uh, you, you can get it Dave where can you get it? Amazon, I've got a website put Miracle the Menace in your, uh, in your smartphone, shut off those uh, false forest fires all over the world go <laughs> hunt, uh, put from Miracle the Menace and you'll get some research you'll, done you'll find the website and you can buy it online or I got some in the basement
1: David Yeager ladies and gentlemen we'll take a break, we'll be right back with Rona Delfrari in just a moment we'll talk about Pathways Alliance
6: thanks guys
3: Hi, I'm Jeremy Wagner, General Manager of the new Lloydminster Nissan. You're probably wondering, and some have asked, why is it still the new Lloydminster Nissan? Quite simply, we're excited to bring things forward that we consider new to a car dealership. We're proud to support the community through a -a one-of-a-kind live broadcast with Kirk price that focuses on events, people, and issues that concern our community. We're proud to work with other businesses to promote local agriculture, our heavy oil industry, and entrepreneurs. We give back to the community through sponsorships, and our employees are encouraged to and excited to volunteer and help in the community. We're the proud new sponsors of the CPCA's Chuck Wagon Finals and the CPCA Pro Tour. And of course, we're always excited for our lineup of new Nissan vehicles with great new features. And our new-to-you lineup is just as impressive. We're proud to be the new Lloydminster Nissan. We'll keep looking for new ways to help our customers in our community and very soon announce plans for our new location. At the new Lloydminster Nissan, we won't sell you a car, we'll help you buy
5: one.
0: Hi, it's Colina from Sheafskin Loft visit the feel-good store where wellness, comfort and style align. If you have foot, leg or back pain Bionic Footwear can help you with OrthoHeel technology. The built-in arch support can be found in every pair of sandals, slippers, sneakers, runners, heels, flats and more. We carry unique gifts and natural footwear for everyone from babies to adults. We also have a nice selection of cotton pajamas and robes. Visit our store in Lloydminster just east of the Esso truck stop or shop online and we'll ship to you. Sheepskinloft.com because we care.
7: At Diamond 7 Meats, we work with local farm families to provide a high quality product and a great selection for you. Try our mouth-watering smokies, pulled pork, roast beef and more. Made pure and natural with no additives or fillers. We offer custom processing and our experienced team works for you to provide a selection of sausage, burgers and jerkies made to your specifications. Take your grilling to the next level with a Yoder Smoker. Complete the grilling experience with Canadian-made, award-winning line of house Q barbecue sauces. We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today.
1: How can you help support the oil and gas industry and jobs in Western Canada? The answer is closer than you think. Sell your scrap metals to PWM Steel. PWM sells scrap iron to Evraz, located in Regina. Everaz's number one customer is the energy sector, building pipes and plates for the oil and gas industry. PWM Steel is your locally owned metal recycler and steel service center in the area. Plus, they're a strong supporter of the community. PWM Steel, your top steel supplier for Alberta and Saskatchewan for 40 years.
5: Holy blaze, it's hot out here. Jamar, my boy, fetch me
1: a
2: drink of water. Does your water taste like it's from the 1800s? Thinking water treatment? Think Superior Water. We carry a wide range of equipment and our bottled water is $3 a jug. Superior Water Lloyd Minster, where customers are always satisfied.
5: yee You love a Superior Water boy?
2: Definitely give her a plug. Betty's Beauty Bar. We're on. We're on. Go ahead, Kurt.
1: We are back and
2: uh, we're Betty's out of Beauty the Mr. Heavy
1: Oil show. Betty's and, Beauty uh, Bar our guest today is Rona Del and uh, Rona is the Chief Sustainability <laughs> Officer and SVP Stakeholder Engagement uh, for Synovus Energy and it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show.
4: I am Welcome. so thrilled to be here. Welcome back Betty's, in my home Betty's country. Beauty Bar. Explain why you're saying that. Okay, it now. Betty's Beauty it.
2: Bar. So my cousin Betty is a hairstylist and she lives in Cut Knife where rona's from two seconds before we go on the show she says i'm from cut knife and says betty cuts my hair all the time she cut my hair so i said betty's my first cousin her mom and my mom were sisters and now we're going to do the show
4: I live in Alberta wow. now and I've lived in other parts of the country but I always say when you come back to Saskatchewan and in particular the area the region I grew up in oh, there's hilarious. only one degree of separation between every single person in Saskatchewan I wow. firmly believe that that is that is I so like
2: it. Rona what are the chances of that like you said cut knife and everybody knows Betty because I'm yeah. sure everybody in cut knife
4: has had their cut well hello Betty if you're watching this hi Betty <laughs> she, better be. <laughs> she better be she better
1: be. she better be Betty be. So, Rona, we we um, we want to get you on the podcast again at a later date, sure. to talk about your personal career, because you've had you've been in broadcasting, and uh, I want to delve into that. But you had a a speech here this morning that blew a lot of people away, hmm. because I don't think a lot of people know about Pathways Alliance. Tell us uh, what Pathways Alliance is.
4: The Pathways Alliance is something I am ex. Extremely passionate about it's one of the most exciting things that I've ever worked on in my oh. career. So I've been in oil and gas now for 15 years, and yes, I was a journalist for 15 years behind before that. Oh, so like Yager. you like Dave? You like Dave Yeager a little you, bit? You yeah? know, I kind of like Dave. Yeah, yeah. He, he talks some sense. Have you wrote a book yet? I, no, and I have zero desire to write a oh, book. Okay. So so don't. <laughs> no worries. I'm not going to be competing with Dave there. Okay. But the Pathways Alliance. It's exciting. I'll tell you why it's exciting because it is the sixth largest oil sands company. So that's Synovus, Suncor, Canadian Natural, Meg, Imperial, and ConocoPhillips Canada. We are 95% of the oil sands production, so pretty much all of the production. The other 5% of that production is smaller companies, and they're, you know, they've been invited to join us in any of our initiatives here. They're just a lot smaller, so can't contribute in the same way. Right. So, oil sands players, we have made a commitment to work together And I'll explain a little bit more in a bit what that means working together to get to net zero emissions from our production by 2050. And we've laid out a very concrete plan that goes decade by decade and what's possible to achieve on the pathway there. And I'm also happy to talk about why the heck are we even doing that? So you want me, do you want me to start? Yeah, there? well, I,
2: I, I didn't get to hear your, uh, your talk this morning. But I've been doing this for 44 years. And I said to Kurt, we're going to have her on the show. And Kurt said, trust me, she's going to give you an idea of how this is happening. Because when you think about that, you go, and that's some massive heavyweight players that you got to get together that's like i don't know um five heavyweight championship boxers in the world and they all got to be in the same room and get along together and try to get that down in this next 25 years tell us about
4: that they do you know I have to say if I was a betting person and I had bet two years ago, so this has been underway for two years, not, not publicly for two years, but behind the scenes we started just about two years ago. And I would have said these are six, these six companies are very different cultures and Absolutely. we're all competitors. Yes. And we, we're not pretending that we're still not competitors. I mean, I will go out there any day and say shareholders, you should buy our shares, you know, versus our competitors. <laughs> but when it comes to the environment, we've realized as um, the Canadian oil and gas sector a long time ago that it's stupid to compete when it comes to environmental initiatives and so the level why this is working is because our CEOs have committed their time and they have said we are going to do and we we are telling directing every staff member within our companies to do whatever it takes to make this initiative work I meet so I'm on the steering committee um, there's with my executive peers from the other companies and we meet multiple hours a week just with, with with the Pathway Steering Company. One of those hours, and sometimes it goes longer, is every Friday at seven AM, you know where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be on a virtual meeting with the six CEOs. Where are you gonna
2: be, Kurt? Not in that meeting. No, I'm not, meeting. No, not, not I'm in meeting. that meeting and I'm probably getting up.
4: Well, I will have already been up. That
2: shows the
1: commitment. Is yeah, the commitment. That is, that's is, what I'm trying to these say. That's six commitment.
4: CEOs, these six CEOs have a lot of issues that they're dealing with and a lot of commitments. And they show up every Friday morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Time. And we get on a call and we talk about what are we trying to address this week? Because the concern is if we start doing it every second week or we start doing it once a month, then the acceleration that we need to happen to make this net zero commitment a reality, it's gonna start to dwindle. And so they have been adamant and they park their egos at the door and I have never seen a group of competitors working at and wow. high-level, smart, smart people Absolutely. working together so well. And then that translates down to people at miles. Well, you got to get others. into a
2: routine. You've got we to do. get. They say, what is it? 21 days to form a habit. Yep. You've got to, You've got to get. Um, you've got to get everybody going and staying consistent and, not, and just not let that tucker out.
4: And we're nearly two years into it, and we've made huge progress so far. And so we have more than, our companies alone have more than 200 staff that are doing this in addition to their own work or that we've dedicated, seconded them to this Pathways Alliance. 200 and everything from accountants to tax experts to lots of engineers, wow. technology experts, government policy experts, you name it, they're all working on this. And we've stood up officially this Pathways Alliance Alliance is now a thing it's its own organization It includes Canada's Oil Sands Innovation Alliance that's that was formed in 2012 and that was really formed at across not just GHG but to to address all environmental aspects of oil sands production that's part of it they're part they're the early stages R&D really the researchers and then Pathways overall is the broader let's take things from the research stage to commercializing it. We're all about getting things commercialized, doing feasibility studies, doing pilot studies, and getting that in the ground because these deadlines that we've set for ourselves and that governments are and coming others, quicker than you fast, think. Fast, fast.
2: Yeah. Where did the name come from though Rona?
4: Yeah we, we talked about a lot of different names and initially we were the Oil Sands Pathways to Net Zero Alliance which I got sick of saying that one. Say <laughs> that 10 time times so fast. And we're, so we're Pathways Alliance now and This is going to take multiple pathways. To get to net zero emissions in the oil sands, and I'm going to say that's 68 megatons Of CO2. 68 megatons of CO2 is what the oil sands puts into the climate and that's 10% of Canada's overall emissions. Just just the oil sands is 10% of Canada's overall emissions. About a quarter, 25% for overall oil and gas, 10%. And so we are part of the climate challenge in this country. Canadians have clearly said we want climate change to be addressed in Mm -hmm. Canada and so we're saying okay for our 10% of those emissions we're on it, we got this and we're working together, but we need multiple pathways to get there. So carbon capture and storage, that's one that's obvious because it's farther, it's a technology that's farther advanced. Yeah. We already have, we've we've proposed as our foundational project, a carbon capture, uh, multiple carbon capture projects at our facilities, at our SAGD and mining facilities. And a CO two pipeline and sequestration hub. So that pipeline would link up about up to twenty of our oil sands facilities, and it would also be. Uh, we welcome any other industries that are up there that want to take part in it and participate in this pipeline. We're happy to also carry their CO two to a sequestration hub in the Cold Lake area. That's our proposal. We're waiting for government approval for all of this. Um, but that's one thing. So that's one pathway, CCS. And, that,
1: and storage in Cold Lake area. In
4: the Cold Lake area. Yeah, yeah that's we, we we know that reservoir well as our companies. We've, we've been producing oil out of Absolutely it. And we not. know that, that that's going one. to be a very good uh, sequestration site. Mm-hmm. And so one pathway. That's going to be a big part of what our emissions reductions are, especially in, in the near term. But we've got other things. There's some fuel switching that's going on, especially at some of the mines more electrification uh we're looking at things like process improvements that means solvents injecting with our steam that we use which is where the emissions are created by ber- by bird boiling water to create steam yep. to get that oil out really, of the ground really
2: are you trying to just get better at not wasting stuff is that part we're, of it
4: you know what There are often, you know, we've always said over the years that when we do things like reduce the amount of steam that we use at our facilities, which we have been doing for years, this isn't something that we've just, oh gosh, we need to address climate change now, we've been doing it for years, quite often there's an economic benefit with that because large part of our costs at a steam assisted gravity drainage facility comes from our natural gas and we we use that natural gas as fuel to heat up the water to create the steam. So when we, and that's where the emissions are coming from. So if we reduce the amount of natural steam that we need, we need less, less natural gas, lowers our costs, lowers our emissions. Now that said, so over the years we've had a double incentive to reduce our emissions intensity. We're at the stage now where a lot of that low-hanging fruit, those kinds of things, it's already happened. So now we need these massive multi-billion dollar capital intense projects like CCS. One of the pathways is potentially, we don't know if it'll work, but potentially small modular reactors instead to create the steam that has zero emissions associated with it. Mm -hmm. You know, using more solvents, injecting more propane and butane in with the steam. That's another thing Then we would be able to eventually, you know, maybe we would choose to shut off some steam. So that's pathways. Those are just some of the things that we're looking at. Along the way, reusing emissions intensity has generally also had an economic benefit. Now we are talking about massive projects that have not been tested at this scale. Mm -hmm. CCS at this scale that we're talking about doesn't exist elsewhere in the world. Small modular reactors to create steam in this manner, those are still at the early pilot stages. And so this is why our companies are committed to putting in billions of dollars into these technologies and we're already doing, we're already investing a lot, but we can't do it alone, nowhere in the world where these types of projects like CCS in UK, uh, Norway, even what the US is doing to uh, give incentives for CCS, that always takes some government and industry partnership. And usually it takes about up to 75% of the funding to come in different mechanisms, whether it's tax incentives or direct grants or whatever from government. So what we're saying is the government has the same goal. Our our Canadian government has put out aggressive climate targets, our industry, aggressive climate targets, same outcome we're trying to achieve. Let's work together, we can't do it alone.
2: Can we say this very frankly? The government needs to put their money where their mouth is you guys are wanting to get to net zero you're already trying to do all of that stuff they want us to become this net zero nation well then they got to lean in with you guys to do that that's part of it right
4: yeah and you know they acknowledge that so you know that is why you saw the federal government coming out with the investment tax credit of 50 percent or it's a you know it's a little bit different because there's there's some caveats in it um now the now the u.s government has come out with much more significant incentives but the government does understand uh the rationale for why uh this is a shared goal and it, it can't be done just by the sector they also understand that we need to remain competitive as a sector here because we are the largest contributor to Canada's GDP. Like, if, if our sector was to just go away, that wouldn't just impact areas like Lloyd Minster or Alberta and Saskatchewan. That would have a ripple effect across the country where we have suppliers, where we put tax dollars into this Canadian uh, economy, where we're, we're buying goods and services from everywhere. And, and they do, the government does acknowledge that, and they acknowledge that this is... A shared goal, and there has to be some kind of shared investment, and the right policy structure in place to create certainty for long-term investments. So you,
2: you obviously believe that long-term fossil fuels is here in Canada for a long time. I
4: yes, of course it is. You know, I just
2: I mean that nicely because, but but at the same time, you're throwing a different angle on this that that a lot of people aren't talking about, and that is okay. If you want this from us. We're going to produce here no matter what for a long time with some big heavyweights, and we're going to try our darndest and putting a stamp on this that we're going to get to that situation. How much more can the government continue to criticize you for that? They can't. That's a a good move.
4: You know... And, and they are giving us a lot of credit. I mean, it might not be always public, but right. when we're having discussions with, and I'm saying government, but all levels of government, they acknowledge that what we've done here, creating, getting together, they, they understand how hard it is for six competitors <laughs> to come together.
2: Six Mike Tysons in the same yeah, room. Yeah, exactly, eh.
4: exactly. But they, they do acknowledge that it, this is the, exactly the type of collaboration they want to see in all sectors. And so we do get a lot of credit for that and it makes it easier for government to work with our sector when we're when we're coming to them with a uni- we're coming to them with a solution, a ready-made solution and we're yeah. united in that. This is, you know, I always say though, this isn't just about politics. We are doing this as companies because yes, we need to look after the environment absolutely, but this is a there's a business rationale behind this. If the world continues to need energy, which 100% is going to. I am a proud oil and gas industry worker. And I feel, and I know, I don't just feel that. I know what this industry contributes, not just to the lifestyle that we Uh, all enjoy, but to the Canadian economy. And that makes me proud. Me too. And, And so... I also know, and when I have conversations, even with people that are anti-oil, that would prefer that we don't use oil in this world, but when I have realistic and close, you know, sit down with them at a table and I say to them, do you actually, do you believe all credible forecasts that say even in 2050, not even just 2030, 2050, there is still going to need to be millions and millions of barrels of oil per day, that there's a demand for that. Because, you know, when we look around our pens, our computers, everything's made of oil. And there are certain sectors of transportation that are not easily going to be converted to electric. You know, personal cars and trucks, there's going to be a lot more electric. Planes will be interesting. Mm -hmm. Planes, you know, heavy equipment, all of that. So when I ask them that question, they all say, yes, there's going to be oil in 2050. Okay, so that if we're starting out, okay, we all understand that. We all agree. Everybody, none of them have said no even those that are very anti-oil. And then I say to them, okay, so is Canada, when you look at all other environmental, social, and governance standards, water, land, wildlife, how we treat communities, our human rights here, our our disclosure, our transparency with what, you know, our, our emissions and everything else, is there anywhere else in the world that's better that produces oil than Canada in all of those areas? they." Always well, we say no. There's nowhere better. Some are comparable. Nowhere better. And then I say, okay. So That's the so only good. concern you guys have is our GHG emissions, which are, depending, there's not great data out there in other countries. I'll say that. But let's say our GHG emissions intensity in the oil sands, in particular, is a bit higher, a bit than the global average. We'll just say, state that, and whether we can dispute that or not, but. And then I say, so if we actually are committed to getting to net zero and we have a plan in place and we become zero emissions from our production, why the heck would not Canada be the where the world looks to fill that demand in 2050 and beyond? And honestly, they don't have anything to say back to me with that because That's they so know great. it makes sense. That's
2: so great. That's great info.
1: You said this morning, you tackled this head on this morning. That's so good. Because you know. if you're looking at ways to come at you. Yep you'll say, and Tracy mentioned, you need some help from the government. People will say to you, hey, whoa, you're making billions and billions of dollars Mm. in record profits. It's not the only argument they have against you, but you, you, you have something in response.
4: I do, you know, yes, we are very fortunate right now as a sector that oil prices have been high. Nobody is happy that some of the reason for oil prices being high is that Russia has invaded Ukraine. Like that, right. Nobody is happy to be making money, profiting off of that. I right. just want to state that clearly. But there are many reasons. I mean, there had been over the last years when oil prices were low, the sector was not investing. It meant that the supply was starting to dwindle and demand is still there and growing. You look at the global shutdown from COVID and it barely touched the emissions globally, barely, barely made a dent in the amount of emissions we have globally. And it was a global shutdown. And so fossil fuels, there is still strong demand. And right now we, yes, our companies are making money. And that is money that we're using largely, we have been over the last year, to pay off the debt that we accumulated oh when goodness. our companies were losing you're still, money. You're, I'm in the industry for
2: 44 years. We're trying to still catch up yes. from what's happened. Yes. That's not counting. We were with earlier today with Dave. You got you got the, the the different types of people that are out there trying to save the environment and all that. Add COVID onto that and then expecting Synovus and CNRL and, and Imperial Oil and these companies to say, yeah, we, we just coasted through there. We're, we were good, but we're, now we're making money here. They're probably trying to just condense and try to keep every dollar tight so that now when the hay comes out and the grass is grown and they can make some hay, they're going to do that only to catch up on what happened years ago.
1: And answer yeah. to shareholders.
4: Yeah we're, yeah, we're catching up. Our shareholders expect, as they should. They're our owners. Yeah. We don't own the company. Our shareholders own our company, mm-hmm. and they, of course, expect that they should be getting some returns as well. I mean, they stayed with us when the times were bad, That's right. and so now you got to reward them. But you know, in the big scheme of things, yes, we're making billions now. Um, oil prices are strong, still fairly strong, mm-hmm. and but I, I say to people, you can't look at this. These these climate reduction or these GHG emissions reduction projects are multi-decade projects. When you look at an average, when you go back and look at the average for the price of oil, it's not $100 plus. No, the average not. is more like $50. Yeah. And so I said, I say to them, like, you cannot, you, you need to look at markets. We're, we, we compete globally for our investment dollars. We sell our product onto a global market. We're we we we're, we're a price taker on this. We don't set our own prices. And so you have to think long term. You cannot be short term in this. And if you if you say to us, you need to put all of your own money, no government support, because you have money right now, into a CCS project, that makes us uncompetitive with our peers in the United, States, so you don't even have to look farther mm-hmm. than the United States, because the government there is giving significant help to support CCS. So why in the heck would our investors want us to be putting all our own money in here when we could go south of the they border? They don't have
2: any problem putting that into all of the green renewables and all of the other stuff there and shove trillions of dollars into that that still hasn't really proven itself out sustainable compared to fossil fuels we just want a little part of that and and one of the comments for shared goal yeah for a shared our goal. shared goal one of the things we've always said just let us produce oil we don't care about and and not that we don't want to get some of those grants now but just as a worker in the industry just let us go to work yeah. we don't we don't we're not asking for anything else just let us yeah. go to work let let synovus and and the team of the people do their job
4: if and stay, and do it in Canada. And I have to say, like the government does understand that, and that's why they are creating grants, and that's why they are creating tax incentives. Now, of course, there's a negotiation for what's the right level. <laughs> yeah. But you know, how much I,
2: involvement? How much money?
1: Yeah, should we give I'm you? hearing,
4: you know, I'm hearing the whole government shouldn't give you anything from people that are a bit more less informed about how the business world actually works. Right.
1: Rona. It's uh, it's 11:03. I don't want to keep you too long. Do we have you for a few more sure. minutes? I really don't want to because you have a big. You have a big date uh, today with, J- with Scott Moe and Jason Kenney coming up at noon here. Oh, uh, so.
4: goodness. I don't know what's going to come out of those two. I'm not oh, sure I'm going to have to. Not, maybe I need to sit in between them. I'm not sure. I, I would.
1: <laughs> you, I would sit in between them. I do want to mention a couple of things that you talked about this yeah. morning that were blew me away. Uh, one of the things that uh, you touched on is you're not just doing this for the government. You're not just doing this to answer to shareholders. You're doing this because your younger employees mm-hmm. yeah. asked you to do it. Yeah. That, 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 I don't know why you that know, struck me. It struck me.
4: People often don't think about it's um and it's not just our young I did say younger employees, I yeah. said that, but it's actually all of our employees we have such proud people working in the sector. You guys know that, right? I take Absolutely. When I take tours sometimes to our sites, we to our field that, sites. We take
2: that to heart. Yeah. We take that to heart. It's
4: so, I'm always almost brought to tears by how proud the people are of what they do because they know that we're doing this responsibly and it just Absolutely. kills them to see all of the criticism that we're getting as a sector. It just kills them. It's so frustrating because they're like, we live this. We know that we're doing this. We care about the environment. We care about caribou. We care about Indigenous communities. We care we're doing everything right and yet we're being accused and we've been labeled as horrible dirty oil Canada is awful. And so our employees are so happy with Synovus' environmental, social and governance program that we have. We have five focus areas, all with targets that we can be measured on. And they were so happy. I got so many notes from people when we launched publicly this Oil Sands Pathways Alliance. They said, I am proud. This makes me proud. And this gives me the opportunity for when I'm being attacked by a friend who's not in the industry or somebody that says, why the heck would you work in oil and gas? that's horrible you're you're wrecking the earth why would you work there i can now say to them the place that i can say to them look what we're doing look at this pathways alliance go educate yourselves about what we're doing so wow you are
2: i don't know if they could have got a better person (laughs) in this business ronan you're just so so passionate and And so knowledgeable they've they've picked they've picked the right person to 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 do this i I want to go through these points because
1: the other thing you said was the abandoned offices in Calgary are filling up.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. So, I mean, there's still a very major problem with office vacancy in mm. Calgary. It's it's really sad for the businesses Do you downtown. like it that we
2: need to get back into a work environment and work together than being at yeah. home? Yeah, you, you think know, so?
4: our approach is flexible. And so we're we're back in for three days a week in person because you do That's need a, that. Then, then you're hybriding. Then That's day, probably two good. Two days you choose. You can go in the office or you can go from home. And, and especially now, I will say the younger workers, they were actually the ones, people think, oh, the younger people don't want to come to the office. They want to work from home. It's actually a lot of them who said I'm not learning as much from those who have more experience by sitting at home because they're not bringing wow. me into impromptu discussions or, and
2: being that's, there just socially smart. interacting socially, yeah. you know, there's you yeah. few...
4: and brain, the brainstorming part yes we proved we proved I mean we did a massive merger with Synovus and Husky while we were working from home so you can do work yeah. from home but it's not there there are certain elements of work that are better in person and I am I, I am agree. very supportive of flexible workplace yeah. But One, maybe, this hy- maybe
2: this hybrid's the answer of, yeah, of doing the, the getting them into yeah. the office and then...
4: And then some flexibility uh, and, and when they when they prefer to work from home. But downtown Calgary, it's, I feel sad for the business owners. It's been horrific for them, the small the real business estate owners. guys, yeah. Um, but, you know, we, I think that it is starting. You're starting to see as people are coming back now, and lots of companies have this flexible work environment. But you're seeing a lot of the technology companies, and that's what I was referencing. It's not only oil and gas downtown Calgary now. We, the oil and gas sector in Canada is the largest investor in clean technology in Canada. And so the technology companies get that and they're setting up shop in downtown Calgary. So they want to rub shoulders with all the
2: people. I love downtown Calgary. I just love it. I just, I'm excited when I go there and you get a chance to go into the different towers and that. I mean, it's, uh, um, what do they call it? Plus, help me. Plus
4: 15. Plus 15. 15 feet above the ground. So so here's the deal on the plus
2: 15. Just a shout out to You need a haircut. You want to do a $10 billion deal. You need a new suit. You want to get the best pizza. You need flowers for your wife. Yeah, all well, has all that. <laughs> yeah. well. You want to get a, you want to get some flowers for your wife. Uh, yeah. It's all in the it's plus fifteen, you don't yeah.
4: have
1: to go and, great, no and a great
2: coffee. <laughs> that, that's true. It, it
1: amazes me though that it's filling up, and it it is. It, it, because it's, a, there's still a long way to go. Yep, still but a long way to go. That's where it's heading. And the other thing I wanted to, uh, and I asked you this this morning as well, uh, would a change in government? Because I think a lot of people think, well, once once we get a change in yeah. government, we can stop all this. Then yeah. they call it bull. Yeah. They'll say, well, we can stop all this bull. We don't have to worry. about About uh, reaching any emissions goals and targets and things like that you said that's not the case
4: it's not the case I mean yes a change in government will help us achieve our goals in different ways I mean different governments have different policies that they'll pursue and so some are more beneficial to our sector and some aren't so for sure changes in government will have pros and cons but that is not why we are doing this it's not about political reasons we are doing this for business reasons when you have your investors telling you you need to address GHG emissions because we want to keep investing in you But those investors are getting pressure as well to only invest in things that are low GHG. So they're getting the pressure and then the pressure comes on us. So they are so happy when we came up with the Pathways Alliance. Our investors across the board said, this is fantastic. You know, so we're getting that pressure from business reasons, from our employees, from our stakeholders. They want us to do this. And this is going to give us a business competitive advantage. As, as our oil, as as the world continues to, or if the world, if you want to say that, continues to care about GHG emissions of all products, if Canada's GHG emissions, and we're already there with our natural gas, if our oil GHG emissions are lowest intensity in the world, then that should give us a business advantage where people are going to come to Canada because we're lowest emissions. You're going to be
2: traveling then. You're mm-hmm. going to be at some summits. I you're am? going to be, you're going to be. Um, saying okay if this is a footprint in canada this it, it's good it, it can go viral well, and you... meaning that you're going to end up doing this for other producers in other countries and saying look at we need to do this in other places it reminds me of that situation where you got somebody you know when he used to say you can't smoke in here or you could smoke in here so you sit in the non-smoking section and the guys are over here sitting in the smoking section in the same banquet the smoke's coming over it's to coming. you. It's coming. So you get you'll get the opportunity someday, I, I believe, so. of being able yeah. to share. Well,
1: this. we
4: want to be a leader. We want and, to be a leader. And the other we'll thing lead. you
1: mentioned this morning is making that oil a premium.
4: It, I mean that's my goal. That's my goal, and you'll, you've seen that already. A, grade A eggs, you know,
2: grade A chickens.
4: The natural gas sector—you've already started to see this. They are getting certifications. In a, it's a very pilot level. Getting certified that they have the lowest emissions, certain companies are doing this lowest emissions, and they are starting to sell that their natural gas or their condensate as a premium. At a premium, because then the end user can claim that we've got lower emissions all along well, our value chain. Think about chain. that. Why is that any?
2: Why, that is like why isn't that any different than um, this? These clothes weren't made by child children who were enslaved? slaves exactly. or or uh, exactly, this, this was yeah. made yeah. organically yeah. or whatever.
4: Yeah. We that that sweet. environment, social and governance across Please the world. Uh, Scott yeah.
2: Mo was emphasizing yeah. that so many times of, yeah. of the cleanness and, and yeah. what we're doing. Why wouldn't we come buy our oil clean soil in the world?
4: You know, I'll tell you, do I have time to tell you a story about that?
1: I hope it's the story I was going to ask you I don't know, it's probably <laughs> a different one. I, it, sat,
4: I sat in Switzerland in March, and I sat in a room of, of, a, of an insurance agency that had made the decision to pull out of oil sands, and we're not insuring you because you're too dirty. This is the story. And yeah. I said to them, okay, and we still went to talk to them. I know I wasn't going to change their mind. I knew that, but I, I I wanted to have a discussion with them, and in the end... You know I went through all those things do you believe this do you believe this do you believe this okay so if we're the best with ESG and we're gonna get to net zero you know would you and they're like yeah they just sat there and they all kind of looked and shuffled their papers and then I said look and at that point we were laughing because it it does get laughable at some point because they don't have an argument back to me and I said here's my goal for you guys very large uh, large international insurance company I said right now you're saying I don't want anything to do with you guys my goal is that in a few years down the road, you're going to come and knock at my door and beg me to be insuring Synovus and the rest of the oil sands because we are seen around the world as the top sustainable, sustainably produced energy in the world and you're going to beg me to come back and I'm going to make you guys pay. And we all laughed and we had wow. coffee. But,
1: but at that moment, tell us what was going on at that moment where the prime minister of britain oh was.
4: my gosh <laughs> yeah and so i had been in london just the day before that particular conversation and i'm sitting around having these conversations multiple insurance agencies yeah. and they're telling me yeah we pulled out because you know we got protested at our door they don't want us in the oil sands and at the same time the Lon- the british prime minister was heading to saudi arabia to beg the saudis to I, send them more oil and increase, i said do yeah. you not see the irony here and they all just went, yeah. Like, th- there's nothing to say about that. Just even
2: by, um, uh, most Mo's comments, or was it one of them last night, talking about uh, Biden going and trying to find out who he could get more oil from Iran and Iraq yep. and that. And like,
0: frustrated. Man,
4: just look up. Yeah, we're right there. Yep frustrating. Rona, we have kept oh. you way too long. But oh, we thank, really you so it. thank you so and much. Thank you, so we you. It. it. was fun. Just,
1: we mentioned man, you're from Knife. So you have a story to tell. Will you come back and tell us your personal story happy on uh, Patchwork and why you're so passionate about this industry? I, I We am saw very a little bit to. of it today, but I'd love to get delve a little bit deeper Anytime. Into
4: it. Just reach okay. out. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Take a break. Be right back with Brian Zinchuk. It's harvest time, and once again, time to thank our hardworking, dedicated Midwest farmers, their families, and their crews. Our Midwest farmers are the best in the world, and we want to deliver a fantastic meal to them right in the field to show our appreciation for the long hours, for supporting our communities, for feeding the world, and for all they do. Nominate your family, nominate your neighbors, nominate a hard-working crew by posting a great harvest photo on any of our sponsor Facebook pages. We'll treat four great farms to a delicious roast beef dinner with all the fixings. And just for nominating a farmer, you could win a half-side of beef to fill your freezer this winter. And this year, we're proud to deliver Meals in the Field in memory of Gary Melka. Meals in the Fields in memory of Gary Melka is very proudly brought to you by Sobeys Lloydminster. Diamond 7 meets Gary Melka, Michael Agro, the Tent Guys, the Synovus Lloydminster Ethanol Plant, and the new Lloydminster Nissan. If having an auction is on your mind, give Copeland Auctions a call and let the Copeland Auction team work for you. From home, commercial and equipment, and from in person or online, contact Russ at 780-870-1181 or online at copelandauctions.com. So if you're thinking an auction sale, contact the sales team that works for you. Copeland Auctions online at copelandauctions.com or call 780-870-1181.
7: We're locally owned and operated, and we look forward to seeing you today.
1: In Touch Massage in downtown Lloydminster can help with stress and overall health. For those daily aches and pains, muscle disorders, mental wellness and relaxation, try In Touch Massage. Working with other health providers, artists and her team will work to enhance your overall well-being and get you mobile again. From anxiety to whiplash and more, trust In Touch Massage in Lloydminster. And direct billing is available. For local massage therapy that offers more than 60 years combined experience and gives back to their community, call In Touch Massage, 780-871. PWM Steel in Lloyd Minster is the key supplier and largest indoor inventory of steel between Edmonton and Saskatoon. Locally owned, PWM Steel offers a wide range of services from steel cutting and bending to custom sign and powder coating. PWM
6: Steel uses aluminum products as well as new and recycled steel. Key supplier of steel products and services since 1982 visit their website
7: at pwmsteel.com.
0: Hi, it's Colina from Sheepskin Loft. Visit the Feel Good store, where wellness, comfort, and style align. If you have foot, leg, or back pain, Vionic Footwear can help you with OrthoHeel technology. The built-in arch support can be found in every pair of sandals, slippers, sneakers, runners, heels, flats, and more. We carry unique gifts and natural footwear for everyone, from babies to adults. We also have a nice selection of cotton pajamas and robes. Visit our store in Lloydminster, just east of the Esso truck stop, or shop online, and we'll ship to you. Sheepskinloft.com, because we care. Your
4: ma,
5: fetch me a drink of water.
4: What's the blazing, Jeremiah? This is dirty. Where's the good stuff? Where's the superior water?
6: But pa, Bubba's using it all. Does your water taste like it's from the 1800s? Choose superior water. They carry a wide range of equipment
3: and supplied bottled water. Superior water, Lloyd Minster.
0: I love me that superior water.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to the Lloyd Minster Heavy Oil Show. Uh, Tracy Kaye once again, and uh, we have had some amazing guests. We have a David Yeager on this morning Rhonda del frary was our next guest blew us away and hell
3: i got brian Zincha. no <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is a hell of an act to follow okay I it mean, really is you know i i'm like well first of all when i first launched pipeline online uh david yeager has, has been one of my columnists from day one well he used to have a, a like a,
1: a a form of that himself
3: yeah he well he used to own the roughneck yeah uh, way back when so i mean i think he is the best writer in Saskatchewan or canadian oil patch bar none I mean, some others that are pretty good, but Jaeger's the best. He is. And, you know, and he's funny, and he, and he knows his stuff. And he knows it from not only from the ground level, but from the executive level. And he, If he's
1: in the room, there's a good chance he's the smartest guy in the room. Usually, yeah. 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 If
3: he
2: isn't, he's the best talker in the room, and he's the best challenger in the room, and he's the guy you want in your debate team. Yeah. I, I gotta yes. Say, yes. Right? Yes. He's going to, like, if you said, okay, we're going to debate oil and gas, and just throwing this curve out at you. Brian, you're pretty awesome. But if you're going to have guys that you want, like I on LinkedIn, FYI, this guy's sitting at the table last night, and I said, you got to get these guys on your LinkedIn. Alex Epstein, uh, David Jagger, Deidre Garrick would probably be in there. Yep. Um, and those are the ones you want on your debate team to go, and it was the Greenies I, I, against the I'd say the Adam Ang- Waterman, too. Adam Waterman, and locally, would be number one in this area. He's just so yep. great. You get those guys on your debate team, and now you're going over, and you're going to go up against the Greenie team, the green energy team over on the other side, yeah. it's over, man. It's well, going to be over in pro- first wouldn't 10 minutes. Be, wouldn't that be fun I, to do?
3: I would love to do that, but, you know, actually, I, that's kind of a, the battle I'm fighting every day If the stuff I'm writing editorially in the stories is, is you know, trying to explain. Some of this stuff simply doesn't work. Like, I've been doing a series of stories for the last eight months. Uh, the Alberta Energy Grid, posts minute by minute how much power is coming from every single generating unit, every wind farm, every solar farm. And I'll go on there every so often, and it's like once a week, oh, by the way, all of Alberta's wind, 2,589 megawatts is producing 13, producing 75.
2: Okay, so how much percentage of that, Brian, is that for the overall power grid of Alberta? How much would that be? Well, it, it all depends. Because, like 0.5005% uh, of all the power that's being generated for the people, or so what?
3: The, so the total grid capacity, if everything's running at the same time, is 16,000. And of that, 2,600 is supposedly wind. Another 1,000 or pretty close okay, to Okay, so that's an cooler. eighth,
2: which... Between you and me, I find that tremendously hard to believe that wind turbines are providing one-eighth of the power for all of Alberta. They're not. They're they're not. Usually they're not. I, fact, I would be guessed to say that I would even say whether it's even 1% of Alberta is being supplied it, by wind it, turbines. It really
3: depends on the day. Some days it's up to 70% capacity, some days it's down to 0%. And, and you know, talking about Deidre there, I mean, my philosophy in my writing and all this stuff, is that I am in favor of when my wife, the ER nurse, is doing CPR on your grandma, that the lights don't go off no, in No, think hospital.
2: about that. Hey, uh, get up in the morning. Well, oh, oh we oh. can't shower today. Uh, I guess we're not cooking. We're not having any supper today, because there's not one gust of wind today Okay, tomorrow, I guess, oh, they're saying about 7.30 in the morning, the wind's going to be up to 20 miles an hour. I guess that's... Come on. They just bought a Good. fire
0: truck
1: in Vancouver. Yeah. You read about this. The, the
3: electric fire the truck. The
1: electric fire truck, backed up by a diesel engine.
3: Now, I so you, I, driving here, just north of Macklin on Highway 17, there's a wind farm that the, the closest uh, wind turbine is probably within a couple hundred yards of Saskatchewan border, okay? And so I stopped there, pulled over, and there, I could see... 20 uh, turbines, 10 were turning. Okay? But I, I don't want to talk too much about that. Let's talk about oil here. Let's yeah, yeah, talk about for, oil. For yeah. Just
2: a comment on the fire truck, did they tell you Adam Waterman was on our show here probably about a year ago or so, uh, did people realize that that fire truck guaranteed pretty close, I'll bet it was 60% heavier than the other fire truck they had. Nobody's talking yeah, about nobody's the talking 60% about heavier all the electric vehicles are going to be and that they're going to just crush and tear up our roads more than they already are so all those people going on family vacation next summer and seeing all the roads under construction again every year are not going to like that. Just kidding.
1: Uh, Brian, you have... Let's start with... Um, well, let's start with your conversation that you had with Scott Mould last night. You had a... You had a and, and to your credit, when you walked in the room, Scott was like, Oh, hey, Brian. And you said, Can I talk to you about something? And yeah. right away, he was like, Absolutely. You had one major question you wanted to ask him.
3: So, uh... His speech talked about how we should be uh, exporting oil to Europe because uh, dictator oil is not such a good thing. You know, uh, why go to the Saudis? Why go to Iraq? Sort of thing instead of us when uh, Europe is starving for energy and we're not doing anything to produce it. So I had a thought here because six months ago, the uh, Jonathan Wilkinson is the federal natural uh, natural resources minister a month into the invasion of Ukraine, said Canada is going to produce an extra 300,000 barrels a day and we're going to get it to Europe. So I asked Mo. it's been six months, have you heard anything? And the answer is no. Now I did ask Rona that this morning and... Uh, she, she had and a different she, answer. She had a different answer. She said they had talked to uh, the oil companies but they never talked to the Saskatchewan provincial government. So explain that to me. Which tells me that Whatever they did have for initial discussions, nothing's happened, and and this is what I asked them. I said, you know, have they said anything about a pipeline or crude by rail or port infrastructure or you know the ability to load ships? Mo's government hasn't heard anything.
0: <laughs>
3: so I mean, what that tells me, I, I, I wrote a column about it uh, last night. Here is uh, which is on right pipeline
1: now. Pipelineonline.ca,
3: and I said that you know that basically says Canada's promise to Europe wasn't worth a bucket of warm piss. Or, sorry, warm spit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a bit of both, edit, you know. Edit, <laughs> edit, edit 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 but I mean the reality is is that so here, probably both. We we've told Europe, "Oh yeah, we're yeah. going to come to your re- aid" and we didn't do anything. No. So I mean that's a that's a horrible thing, you know. And where I'm concerned about this, I mean, the day after the invasion, I talked to Tim McMillan, who is the outgoing president of CAP.
1: He's here, he's here. Yeah.
3: yeah. And, uh, you know, former MLA for Lancer. Yeah. And I, I said, you know, we have to ramp up production right now. And we better start loading tanks and LNG facilities and get it to Europe because I would much rather said a tanker full of Canadian oil than my 18 year old kid in a. Uh, uniform carrying a rifle because that's what we did the last time this happened and we are in a much better capacity we we can do this and if we can help out your capacity maybe we don't have to go there and uh you know send my kid back home in a body bag.
1: you have a series of columns coming out on uh, pipelineonline.ca
3: tell us about uh Tell us about why you have these columns and what they're about. So it's a it's a story series. Actually, it's not a column. It's uh, stories. Yeah. But what it is is I call it uh, Divine's Upgraders. So I was asked by the Frontier Center for Public Policy, which I some like they published a few of my things every so often. They put out a book last year about the last chapter of the of Grant Divine's uh, history. You know, everyone says, oh, the Divine era was absolutely horrible for Saskatchewan and nothing was right and it was just you know total disaster. Well. Two of his policies uh, were the building of the heavy oil upgraders in Lloydminster and Regina, both of which were to process Lloydminster heavy oil. Because we have 32 mil- billion barrels of oil, of heavy oil in Saskatchewan, and that's actually four or five times more than North Dakota's Bakken. And we just couldn't get it. And you spent your career trying to squeeze a little bit more, another half percent more, another half percent more. Mm-hmm. And so. Building those uh it happened at a time when a recession hit and oil prices cratered, and the pr- uh, province lost money. Alberta said, "We're out of here," and they bailed out of the Lloyd Minster one. Saskatchewan uh, picked up the bag until they sold it to Husky. They did- they lost money. Okay, and the book concluded that you know it was a waste of a billion dollars. Well, I go through six uh, parts of this. Just and- I
1: want you to say that again. The book's conclusion was that the divine government wasted a
3: billion dollars a billion dollars on these upgrades on these upgrades so in i go through in great detail in these six parts and you're coming up in the next few days here about how the royalties alone from heavy oil over two years makes up for that 1 billion dollars that we supposedly lost so yeah it sure back then it may not seem like a great investment but you know, in this series, I talked to Grant Devine, I talked to Brad Wall, I talked to Gerald Albers from here. You know, and Albers was great because he said, if it wasn't for the upgrader, Lloyd Minster would be 15,000 people. Right now, we're 32,000 people. I was the, the, the reporter for the Battleford News Optimist in 2003, and the city manager of North Battleford, Jim Toy, told me at that time, first time I sat down, said, I wish we had the problems of Lloydminster because they're building 600 houses a year, and we're building 10, right? And all that was driven because of that investment that
2: was made from 88 to 94. To build I'd it like to throw a bit of a twist on that. You know, I was born and raised in Lloydminster. And, you know, that the upgrader, um, I think, has, has done tremendous amounts of uh, profits in that because of the fact of buying the oil from, from the producers and upgrading it and then sending it down the line. And, uh, you know, I, I told everybody I want to write the greatest country song in the world, and I think it'd be billion-dollar seller. It seemed like a good idea at the time, and that'd be the title of the song. So, But anyway, um, I think that the upgrader, uh, you know, to say that it's increased the population of Lloyd Minster double, that's a pretty powerful line, but it's definitely helped producers have a go-to spot that they can have their oil go to to get it to another to another, uh, uh a level where it's 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 sellable and by doing that producers are going to try to gather in this area more because the upgrader is here i think that's a better i hope well, i and, say that the right and, way that's and, a and, better and statement? your
3: perspective may be a little bit different but yeah. i'm looking from the provincial perspective and you're looking from the Mitson perspective right but think of it this way in the last 10 years husky and now Nova's spent 250 to 350 million dollars per uh sag d unit and they built 12 of them so that's a minimum of three billion dollars that was spent to feed their upgrader so and that was all spent in this area uh you know when the, the drilling of that and development you now maybe the the vessels weren't built here necessarily but you know that's a huge investment but to, the broader perspective when you talk about the royalties that came from this heavy oil and the amount of money that came in from jobs and income yeah tax i and agree. Yeah. when you add that all up it literally made the difference between saskatchewan being a have province and a have not province and when yep. And you take that, the transition from us become, from have-not-to-have have province happened at the same time that Brad Wall became premier. And oil came up in price, and we started making all this extra money. And it changed the dynamic of Saskatchewan politics. I mean, the NDP has been effectively unelectable outside of the big cities. Uh, it changed the way of thinking. Brad Wall's stump speech, when he first came to North Battleford as uh, the leader of the opposition, he talked about how he knew a guy who's a successful business person who always drove a white Chevy pickup truck, and he bought a new one every two years. He couldn't buy a different color a different brand because if people noticed that he was doing better and you know, making some money, they wouldn't come to his store anymore because, oh, my God, we can't you know, give him our money. He's making too much.
2: Well, one of the things that you were just commenting about, even Brad Wall, Scott Moe, um, great talk, great speech last night, by the way, is that we're, we're all in this... in these places that we live in alberta saskatchewan and all them at the end of the day politicians the greatest thing that can come out that you will always get those people's votes is food family and occupation if you are comfortable that the government is doing that for you you're going to put a check mark beside that guy's name every time stephen harper did you emcee that show no uh that was brought to us by the chamber of commerce when he came his greatest line i'll never forget when you have the country in a good economic state, the rest of the country's problems are manageable yeah and I just I'll never forget that line. you food family and occupation you the rest of the stuff, whether that's the, the different rights of people and all the things that are going on, the government can manage that stuff. when you get out of the line with any of those three, It starts to get troublesome
3: you have to have you know foundational industries you have to have primary industries that you can build your economy on not everyone can be a hairdresser you know someone actually has to produce things and do things and and the lloyd minster region you know i i i used to live in north balfour for for 10 years and my first work started working with pipe News in 2008 i had covered here i was here three times a week and uh you know just driving around lloyd every time i do and seeing how big it is and you realize that the industrial base in this city alone is equal to all of Estevan and Carlisle and Carnduff and Weyburn and Shonovan combined.
2: We our are trade area here, we're we're a thirty five thousand people city, but when we're super rocking, we exceed over hundred and fifty thousand people that we do trade with in this area. But I'm not talking That's talk- why we have all the big stores in that here too. Yeah, but for that's that a, that's all I'm
3: talking about. I'm not talking about the, you know the, the malls and stuff like that and commercial right. stuff. I am talking the industrial, you know, you drive by here's that big shop and here's another big shop and here's another big shop and here's you know, when the number of industrial parks, it is, you know, literally, it's the rest of Saskatchewan's oil Patch combined.
2: Well, we do rock here pretty good, just saying. We so
3: do. Now, we are pretty awesome do.
2: here, just saying.
3: And, and I, I have to say, from, from my perspective, because I'm always writing from a Saskatchewan perspective, you know, I know a lot of Albert, or people in Lloyd Minster kind of think about Lloydminster as an Alberta city, and the majority live in, on the Alberta side. And, but from my perspective, Lloyd Minster is a Saskatchewan city. You live on All the Saskatchewan side, don't you hear? I do. Yeah.
2: You know, I, and I I lived half well, not half, but I lived a a ton of my years as a as a kid on the Saskatchewan side. I'm just a Saskatchewan boy. Yeah, just, I I boy. I I be because we i was born and raised here, once again I say that a thousand times, but um I still think of Lloyd Minster as being Saskatchewan as well. And not but Alberta as well. I I don't know if I sit there more than the other. We're it it there's we get exceptions here uh, based on the stuff that we do in our schooling systems and, and the law side of things. And we get some great uh, benefits for being a border city and getting Saskatchewan benefits. And we also get good stuff for being Alberta benefits.
3: So a so totally unrelated thing, i got to say, this this week was the first time I had a chance to meet you guys in person. Oh, and
2: and, and, and go and, ahead, go ahead, Brian, I'm listening. i
3: I, I got to say, well, first of all, it was the first time I saw you without a hat. We oh. <laughs> were sitting out in your uh, place yesterday. You yeah, t-
2: my man without oil hat I usually have you, on my you show. You took but... your hat
3: off like I didn't, didn't know you had a well, hat Well, what there. did you
2: think, Brian? It was, it was not what I expected. So. Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, and then Tracy here, honest to God, I don't know if it's your posture you're sitting or not, but do I sorry, Sorry, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, didn't get enough sleep. I was typing that column last night. But anyhow... You were about eight inches taller than I thought you are, because when you're sitting here, these chairs are not very flattering and stuff like that. And I you know, walk up to your place, and you're like, "Oh my
2: God, that guy's tall." Also, <laughs> no, for real though, Brian, you got to admit that Kurt is way more handsomer in person than he is on TV. I, <laughs> I for sure, so, right? You don't get much worse, hair, right? You, know, like you, you, the... you got to admit, like I work with the guy all the time in these shows, but he's far more handsomer. Well, in person <laughs> than he is like but talking if, to him on his if we're call. gonna
3: have a Kurt adoration society here we've got to talk about his mc skills because my god he He's had dead. the in stitches last night put,
2: put your hand up like this kurt for a second this is our yeah, top cat watch paul's got one on in the back too so i mean he is <laughs> way more handsomer in person with the watch on too but
1: thanks for the thanks for saying that about no the, kurt uh, you you, you crushed yeah, it, it last it, night it, it was awesome
2: i put out a seed uh next show fyi the Patchwork Boys do the the banquet in two years from now. Like, so, we'll we'll figure something out.
3: I got to throw on one other thing. Is that, uh, you know, the, the, you guys Patchwork everyone watches it on a regular basis. But I also post uh, all your Patchwork uh, yep. shows on PipelineOnline.ca. Awesome. So that's not just you know, the stuff that you have. It's I'm trying to get it out there so people can see what the great work you're doing the people you're talking to. That's and right. The, and the interviews that you've had are just. You know, tremendous, like Deidre and Jaeger and whatnot. So keep doing what you're doing.
1: Jim Reeder this afternoon. Energy Minister Jim Reeder, 4 o'clock this afternoon. And uh, that's when we will return to the Mr. Heavy Oil Show. And if you're coming out in person, if you're coming out to watch, uh, and we're going to head down there in just a moment to see Scott Moe and Jason Kenny. that starts here uh, right away as well. That's going to be a blast. I'm and uh, Scott Moe has agreed to come on the podcast. Yes, I don't I'm know if we're going to get him this afternoon when we get the energy minister, but gosh darn, there's a chance we might. Yeah, so, we, so we do. Four we got o'clock, this great guest coming up Saskatchewan Energy Minister Jim Reader.
3: Funny thing uh, Reader said yesterday when I was talking to Moe, he leans in and says, Can I listen in on this? Because sometimes Moe makes uh, policy decisions while he's talking about this, so I want to know what's going on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Back with you four o'clock this
0: afternoon from the Lloyd Minster Heavy Oil Show.